0: By now many of you have heard the story of Father Von Traco. If not, this will probably get the blood boiling or the tears falling. Father Traco is an Anglican ordinary bi- priest who was recently excommunicated for criticizing the post conciliar popes. You know, that thing that I and others do nearly every single day on social media. Anyway, on april first, Bishop Stephen J. Lopez. Announced he had issued a decree of excommunication against Father Von Traco, pastor of St. Bede the Venerable in suburban Minneapolis, citing, quote, rejection of the magisterial authority of an ecumenical council and a series of popes, end quote. The charge stems from a homily Father Traco delivered on November 25th, 2018, on the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. In that homily, which can easily be found online at the Remnant's YouTube channel under the title The Father's Grapes and the Children's Teeth. The homily was based on Ezekiel 18:2, which declares, quote, "The father's have eaten sour grapes and the teeth of the children are set on edge." I actually remember when this homily went public nearly 9 months after the fact because it was that good and that accurate description of our times. I still remember it, 9 months later. In the fa- homily, Father Traco outlined the failures of the popes during and after the Second Vatican Council, and even provided action steps for Catholics to, for, so that they can help restore order. This, of course, caused quite a controversy, causing Church Militant to reach out to Father Traco and ask him about Sedevacantism. to which he replied, quote, Thank you for asking this question of me directly. An answer I can say without any dissimulation, that I have never denied the validity of the Second Vatican Council, and I do not now believe, nor have I ever believed, the apost- that the Apostolic See is vacant. Quote. I know that some of you will be disappointed in that response from the priest, but any way you cut it, Father Traco was excommunicated recently for his citing the sins and errors of these popes and other figures and the failures of the Council, all of what he said being objectively true. We're going to take a brief break now and answer a question that I am certain will appear in the comments. What is the Anglican Ordinariate? I'll quote the homepage of the Anglican Ordinariate for the answer. The pastoral ordinate of the Chair of St. Peter is a structure similar to a diocese that was created by the Vatican in 2012 for former Anglican communities and clergy seeking to become Catholic. Members of the Ordinariate are fully Roman Catholic. While retaining elements of Anglican heritage in their celebration of mass and in the hospitalities and ministries of their Catholic parishes. Based in Houston, Texas, the Ordinary includes communities throughout the United States and Canada. Our Lady of Walsingham in Houston is the principal church. Other large communities include St. Luke, Bladensburg, Maryland, Christ the King, Towson, Maryland, Church of the Incarnation, Orlando, Florida, and St. Thomas More in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Ordinary groups and clergy are located in areas such as Maryland, Texas, California, Iowa, Alabama, New York, and South Carolina, Oshawa, Victoria, Ottawa, and Calgary. Based in Houston, Texas, the Personal Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter has more than 40 Roman Catholic parishes and communities across the U.S. and Canada. The establishment of the Personal Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter was the Vatican's pastoral response to repeated and persistent inquiries made by Anglican individuals and groups in the United States and Canada who, over time, have come to identify the Catholic Church as their home. Those joining the Ordinariate have discerned they they are truly Catholic in what they believe and desire, full membership in the Catholic Church. In November 2009, in response to these repeated and persistent inquiries from Anglican groups worldwide, Pope Benedict XVI issued an apostolic constitution called Anglicanorium... Chotebus. This document authorized the creation of ordinariates. These communities are Catholic yet retain elements of Anglican heritage and liturgical practice. Ordinariates also have been established by the Vatican in the UK in 2011 and Australia in 2012. End rather lengthy quote. In other words, and to put it bluntly, a lot of Anglican clergy and laity were waking up to the absolute apostasy and failed state of the Church of England and decided they wanted nothing to do with it anymore, and realized that Henry's schism was unlawful and worse. They petitioned the Vatican, who allowed them to keep a modified version of their liturgy and prayer book, and then welcomed them into the church. Many of the priests are married, providing yet another example to the married priests rule in the Latin church. Their liturgy is reverent and very similar to the traditional Latin mass, save for it being in high English, and it uses the Book of Common Prayer in places. That out of the way, and yes, I'm sure I missed something, or probably made a technical error in my presentation of the Anglican Ordinariate. Back to our story. Father Traco's troubles began long before he gave that frankly epic homily. I'm going to quote an article from 1 Peter 5 on Father Traco, written by a friend of his. I think it will show you why so many people find him endearing, and why this is a tragedy. Quote, Father Traco's motto is just two little words, get holy. It's clear to me that this has been his goal in all my interactions with him. Get holy. You're worried about the state of the world. Get holy. You're worried about the state of the church. Get holy. God ordained that you be born in this time for a specific purpose. Get holy. You struggle with sin. Get holy. You suffer from depression and anxiety. Get holy. God needs saints. So get holy. The scripture that reads, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect is something never taken as hyperbole by Father Traco. Jesus said to do it, so Father encouraged us to believe it's possible, because Jesus said so. I heard Father Traco preach without fear of retribution on many occasions, speaking the hard truth. He has no illusions about the current state of the church and has no fear in telling his parishioners exactly what they need to hear so that they might be saved. I love this man like a father, and he loves us as his children, and so will tell us the truth. It is this he also sought to do, and faithfully did, on November 25th. That is when everything changed." End quote. To remind you, that was the day, on the Feast of Christ the King, that do- that Father D- Traco decided to tell the truth as he understood it about the Council and the post-conciliar popes. No, he's not a set of a contest. I don't know what artificial and, frankly, counterproductive label could be applied to him. He's a Catholic. He's a Catholic priest one of the rare sort who has a spine, a brain, and a heart, and they seem to work together instead of against each other. I keep harping on about the plague of cowardice in the church today. Father Traco is not one of those cowards. He spoke the truth and has since been excommunicated for his troubles. In the post-conciliar era, it seems that excommunication has been used as a political tool primarily. I know it's always been used that way to some degree, but in the past 60 years it's been used that way very nearly exclusively. If you stand up for orthodoxy in the church, if you stand up for tradition, if you stand against heterodoxy and heresy, if you simply tell the truth about the situation in the church today, they'll excommunicate you for it. They may even change the rules to do so, like they did with Archbishop Lefebvre, for whom they literally changed canon law just prior to his consecration of bishops. Father Trako's case is clearly an unjust one, done out of spite and politics, and not because the bishops were defending orthodoxy. I'm sure in his mind he was, after all, nearly all of the conciliar popes have been canonized. John the twenty third, canonized. Paul the Sixth? Canonized. John Paul I on his way to canonization. John Paul II canonized and given the title John Paul the Great. That leaves the odd situation of popes at two popes at present, and you know that Francis will probably get canonized if things don't turn around soon. It's an interesting thing to note, too. Prior to the conciliar popes, there had been very few canonized popes from the Council of Trent today. Very, very few. As in, you could count them on one hand and have multiple fingers left over. But maybe we do live in an age of saintly popes in the post-conciliar era of chaos. Father Traco was probably excommunicated for criticizing the actions of canonized saints, and the ecumenical pastoral council that we keep being told wasn't infallible and binding on the conscience of Catholics while it is constantly treated, as if it was infallible, and binding on the conscience of Catholics. Those in the hierarchy who speak out against it risk being unjustly condemned for their actions. It's a state of things today, and it's utterly predictable. Father Traco isn't the first case of this, nor will he be the last. There is a GoFundMe to start it to support Father Traco and his canon law case, as well as to help meet his needs. Consider donating to it if you can. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.